0: Good morning, city lifers and visitors. Welcome to church. We're so glad that you're here today. Like every week, it's my pleasure to bring us the word for today. To be able to reach out, even if it's remotely online, is great. Um, we're glad that you're here. Uh, before I forget, my name is Pedro Reese, and I am the lead pastor here. And uh, connect with us. I say it every week. In the notes section, there's a tab, there's a link, and it says "I'm new," and it's for people who have been coming around or if this is your first Sunday, we just wanted to make it abundantly clear. We want to connect with you, and so give us the opportunity. If you reach, if you fill out one of those um, new forms, I'll personally reach out and try and grab a cup of coffee or a meal with you this week or in the near future, but uh, this is what we love to do. It's what we're passionate about, and so take us up on the offer, and I'll reach out to you this week. Um, Today is a special Sunday. I also hopefully, like fingers crossed, today will be shorter because it's meant to be, right? Today I'm trying to preach a homily even though brevity is not a talent of mine. Uh, But today's a special day because it's a culmination of three rather important days all in one. And so first off, happy Father's Day to, to my dad, to all of the dads out there, to myself as a dad. Happy Father's Day to all of you. Like, I, I hope and I pray that you know the depth of the call that it is to be a father and that you love that call, that you absolutely love that God has put children in your life or God has put, even if it's not your own children, people who look up to you, people who you play a fatherly role in. Uh, it's a big task. It's a big calling. And so I pray that you love it. And I pray that it it's not going to give you energy, right? Because being a dad is anything but energy giving but I pray that it like is something that you can appreciate the depth of and the magnitude of the call so happy Father's Day second it's also World Refugee Day and so this Sunday morning is looking completely different. We're not even meeting in person in our 165 Newark Avenue space. We're meeting at the park right now. Our church is at the park so that we could be closer to the thing that we have after our abbreviated sermon, hopefully. Uh, is We're walking to Temple Beth El because we are joining one of our oldest community partners, Welcome Home, uh, to celebrate World Refugee Day. Today is World Refugee Day globally. To celebrate that, like, the refugees among us, for us as believers, that God brought people from all around the world to be in our city. Like Anne and I live in this part of the city because this is where a lot of Jersey City's refugees have been placed. And so, like, gosh, like God has brought people to us, and so let's celebrate them and on this day make them know that they're valued and we are welcome them into our city and into this country. And so it's World Refugee Day, and we're going to be celebrating that again by going to Welcome Home, Temple Beth El, here on 24, let me see, I have the address here, 2419 JFK Boulevard. You're welcome to come. Come and serve with us. We're going to be there. There's going to be a group of us. Even on Father's Day, we've been communicating this for a month now. It's like, this is important. Let's show our kids that service is important. Uh, Let's give this day because there are people from all around the world here who like we need to serve. And so we're gonna be there. The uh, volunteering starts as soon as noon, but the event is from two to five. And so let's go serve 2419 JFK Boulevard, Temple Beth El. I would love to see you there. Come there and meet us. I'll be there. Let's like meet and serve, serve people in our city. All are welcome to be there. And then today, the last but not least, is Juneteenth. And honestly, I don't remember right now off the top of my head if this is the first or the second of it being a national holiday. But this is a great day. This is an important day. This is a day of celebration. And the reason why we save it for last is because our sermon, our homily for today, is a reflection out of Juneteenth and what a day like this means to us as Americans, or to us as people living in this context, in this time, and what like Juneteenth is all about. And I'll be really honest, I didn't learn what Juneteenth, Juneteenth was until a few years ago, like, well into adulthood. I didn't know what it was, but I've learned it, and it's like, to me, I find so much of the gospel promise found on what today celebrates. And so if today is, like, if our service is a service set aside to, like, reflect on Juneteenth, and then afterwards we're going to serve with refugees with Welcome Home, then this this is where we're going this morning. This is what we are, like, what I'm calling us to reflect on, is that Juneteenth is, like, this special day in our American context. Juneteenth, the National Museum of African American History and Culture calls Juneteenth our country's second independence day and so here's the story if you're not familiar with the story this is why this is an important day uh it starts off juneteenth juneteenth is a celebration of the liberation of slaves in the state of texas two years over two years after the proclamation emancipation proclamation was signed by president lincoln abraham lincoln Lincoln signed the proclamation on January first of eighteen. I keep on saying nineteen of eighteen sixty-three, but slaves in Texas remained in their slavery up until June nineteenth of eighteen sixty-five. Over two years later, when General Gordon Granger brought the, the the proclamation to the state of Texas, freeing the slaves, freedom that was one that was overdue. That for yeah two years over two years 128 weeks 900 days after their freedom was well earned and given they were still stuck in their slavery and so juneteenth is remembered today as this like combination of celebration that freedom actually came, right? That even though it was long overdue, it came. It's a day where we celebrate and also think of the tragedy of it all. Tragedy that slavery happened in the first place and that it's so foundational to the story of this country. Right, a, a bishop, a bishop Claude Alexander, he writes that slavery and racism were in the amniotic fluid of this country, that this country was born out of, and like sadly, that's true. So today's a tragedy that slavery happened in the first place, and that to this day, racism and its effects are still so like prevalent and alive and active in this country. But it's also like a, a tragedy that freedom was postponed. And so that's what we're talking about today. If we are like the call to be this people, if we're like God's people and as like Americans, because that's what we are right now, right? We're talking amongst Americans or people living in this context, right? I'm an immigrant, but I'm a naturalized citizen. And so if we are like people in this story or people who belong to God in any story, in any nation, what is our call to citizenship? What is our call to be people who navigate this life and like knowing where our allegiances truly lie? How, this is our big idea, how are us as sojourners and exiles, people who are primarily rooted in our identity as belonging to the kingdom and know in particular nation first? We are kingdom people. How are we called to live knowing the context of our stories? And seeing the good, being good citizens, and also marching towards justice. How do we hold these two in check and in line? How do we be good citizens who are kingdom-minded, seeking justice? And so that's our big question for today. That's what our homily today, a homily is a one-point sermon. How how do we grasp with knowing what our call truly is? To be good citizens and justice-minded people. And so to do this we're going to start off reading out of a text that we as a church covered i think three years ago in first peter chapter two only two verses are going to launch us into what we are going to be talking about today second peter sorry first peter chapter two verses 11 and 12. this is the word of the lord this is what god says beloved i urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray before we go any further. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the celebration that today is, Father's Day, Juneteenth, World Refugee Day, so many things to celebrate, so many things to give our time and effort and energy towards, Lord. I pray that uh, our fathers, like that you touch them and you speak to them as our Father, that remind us of the call that we've been given. I pray for Juneteenth and for our African-American community in our church and in this country, That, like, Lord, this is a day of celebration and jubilation, that, like, justice does come, and it's on the march fully. That one day you will end all the elements of racism and hatred and division. Lord, um, I pray for our refugees in our city. Help us to serve them and know them and be known by them. And so, Lord, we give you this time, and Holy Spirit, do the work that only you can do. You're invited in this place. I invite you into the preaching of your word. I invite you into everyone who's hearing this word, Lord, for you to do what only you can do. We love you and uh, be with us today. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's talk about sojourners and exiles. First, let me even just define these terms so that we know what we're talking about. This is a definition of both. A sojourner is a traveler a wanderer or a person who resides temporarily in a place. So a sojourner is someone who is walking or wandering. They're not from here and they don't intend on being here forever. A sojourner is in a place temporarily. An exile, this is the definition of an exile. An exile is a person who is barred from one's native country. And I love how these two words are used in God's story, in his narrative. Being a sojourner and an exile has been like, it's one of those things that's dear to God's heart. Whenever He was forming Israel, the nation of Israel, He always, like, part of the people that were supposed to be protected and welcomed, sojourners and exiles and immigrants, were a part of those people. Like, God gave special provision for these people in His culture, in the culture of Israel. And if you look at God's story, like exiles and sojourners play such a big role. It's like one of these things that if you don't know to look for it, you don't see it. But once you do, once like you are told that this is like an important theological thread throughout all of scripture, then like once you know that, you can't unsee it and you see it everywhere. It's like one of those things that comes in God's story all the time. It's woven in and it's woven out. And it's like part of the Christian call is for us to know that we are kingdom people first that no matter where we find ourselves we are exiles and sojourners and if you look at god telling his story he uses this all the time he calls people into exile and then into sojourning and like he also just meets people who are already doing that like just as a few examples abraham well not even abraham abram was called out of ur to go to a place that god would show him and so he wandered he didn't have a permanent home. He was going to where God was going to give him. It look at Joseph and his family in Egypt. They were outsiders there. They were not Egyptians. God moved them there, and they resided there until that family grew into like a whole people, and all of Israel were slaves in Egypt, right? Outsiders, slaves, timely. And even Moses in his, only his life, he was a, outsider in Pharaoh's home, and he was even an, like a, a wanderer when he lived in Midian, and when he took a wife and belonged to the family, he, that still was not his home. His home was with God and with his, God's people, and so he was a, an outsider there as well. During the conquest, Hagar turned her back on her people because she saw God was with these people, and so she was with the people who became her own but were not her own. Ruth who chose to like graft herself on with Naomi. So like, your people will be my people, even though they were not. And that's a big part of the story. Israel, all of Israel during the Babylonian exile, right? <laughs> Quite literally, there were exiles there. Baby Jesus fled to Egypt because he was in exile. He would have been killed if he had stayed. And then even Jesus makes the important distinction and choice that during his ministry, he would have no home, that he had no place to lay his head is what he says. And that's not because Jesus liked uh, surf, couch surfing, but that's because like, he wanted to show everyone that, our, that this call is one of wandering and sojourning and being in exile, of having this mindset that we are kingdom people. The king, we belong to the kingdom of God. We're citizens of heaven before we're citizens of any other place. Or any other allegiance or any other loyalty. Uh, I, I've said this, but I'm—I was born in Brazil, and I'm a naturalized citizen. And I remember taking that oath, and part of that is like giving my allegiance to this place and to the Constitution. And like I remember in my mind, I was like, "Wow, like this is really big." And where does my call to be kingdom-minded go first and above this call, above the call to belong to any nation? And like even Philippians 3, 20 goes as far as to say this. It says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are people who are kingdom citizens, primarily, fundamentally, above allegiance to any other place, any country, any kingdom, any principality, any authority. It's like we're kingdom-minded people. And so what does that call us to? like this call in 1 Peter to be sojourners and exiles, how does that call us further into a place rather than removing ourselves? I want to bring up two places in Scripture. In the Old Testament, during Israel's literal exile, I want to talk about Jeremiah 29 and Daniel 3 really quick because they highlight both aspects of what it means to be kingdom-minded people, that the call to be a sojourner and an exile an exile, an exilee, is a call to being a good citizen in whatever context God places us in. It's also a call to be subversive when this world asks us things that only God should have. And so let's look at Jeremiah 29 really quick. Jeremiah 29 finds Israel in a very important time in its history. That this point Israel was in exile in Babylon. And verse twenty chapter twenty-nine starts like this. Verse 1, it says, These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles, and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So this is starting off as like Jeremiah is like writing this letter, and he's saying, Noah, these are the words from God, of those who Nebuchadnezzar took and brought to his kingdom. He's like, my people, wherever you find yourselves, this is the word. In a time when they were struggling to know their identity, if they still belonged to God, if God still loved them, if they were his chosen people, like they struggled with knowing their identity and their call like, in a vital way. And then the story goes on, starting in verse 4, it says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Like God is saying, you know, I sent you. This wasn't Nebuchadnezzar. I, I used him. I've put you in this place. I've put you into exile. And it goes on to say, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, and for its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Like, oh, it's such an important part of this being a good citizen part. He says, you know what? You might think you might look at the world and politics and war and like this conquering. You might see that Jerusalem was like overtaken. But it's not Nebuchadnezzar who brought you out of my land. Is like, I'm the one who sent you there. So, God has like this hand over everything that happens in the world. And wherever we find ourselves, God had a hand in bringing that here. If you're in Jersey City, God had a hand in bringing you here, whether you acknowledge that or not. He like brought you here. And then, what's your call when you're here? Wherever you find yourself, what's your call? What's your call as an American? It's to do this, it's to live in it, it's to invest in this place, it's to pray and seek the welfare of the city. And it will be your welfare. Like here in this part, the part of being an exile, a sojourner is not, Hey, remove yourself. Let's build this private community. Let's, let's go live in a gated place so that none of this can affect us. And we'll just be the church together. No, like our call to be an exile and a sojourner brings us deeper into where we live. And the God's here is like, live here. I put you here. It wasn't Nebuchadnezzar. I did this live in the city, be present in it, invest, build houses, have kids, like don't decrease, continue to have kids, have marriages, like live the light, live your life here in this new place because I brought you here. And then he's like, don't listen to the people who are prophesying falsely. They're not prophesying in my name because at this time there were false prophets saying what the people wanted to hear. Oh, this is going to be over very quickly. Oh, we're going to be back in Jerusalem in no time. Don't worry. Like don't invest. Don't jump in. Like don't actually live here because God's going to take us home. He's like, no, like actually quite the opposite. Live here. I've put you here and I've put you here for a reason. And so part of the call for us to be kingdom-minded citizens is that we are present and investing exactly where we're at. We live here in Jersey City or wherever you live and you're listening to this and be a good citizen there. The first Peter, Peter, first Peter chapter two, it ends verse 12. It says the part that we read verse 12, it says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Like so be good citizens. Like Be a good person where you're living. Seek the welfare of it. Have your actions be good in that place so that if evil is spoken against you, the only thing that will come out is the good that you've done. So be a good citizen. Right? Be a good American. Be a good Jersey Cityan. Seek the welfare of it. Make sure that when you leave this place, if God brings you somewhere else, at least one person's life has been changed in you being here. But then that's one side of the coin. Because another story comes out out of that same period in exile that shows us that at times it also comes with a call to be subversive. Let's look at Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter three is a story that I'm sure all of us will know. If you grew up in the church, it's the fiery furnace. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like Babylonian names, not their Jewish names, but their Babylonian names. Of this like incredible story out of the same time period. And so here's the the general story, is that Nebuchadnezzar took people who were in the royal priesthood or in like in training, those who were really smart, and he brought them into their courts. And the call remained for them, right? Be invested in where you are. We never hear in this story their Jewish names. We only hear their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because they're buying in and they're doing what they're called to do, what Jeremiah has called to like, be a part of what God's doing, where he has brought them. But because being a citizen also at times is subversion. When the world asks us of things that only God deserves, then we cannot bow our knees. And so here's the story. Nebuchadnezzar and his, uh, some of his advisors put up a statue, a golden statue, a golden image of him. And they say, whenever you hear the music, you're supposed to fall on the ground and worship me. Worship that image. Worship me. I'm the king of Babylon. But because these three men here know that worship is only properly given to the Lord, to Yahweh specifically, they don't. They don't do that. When it's time for the worship to come, they do not bend their knees in the court. And then they're asked, "Why are you doing this? Do you want another chance?" And this is what they say. This comes out of Daniel three chapters uh, verses 16 and 18. This is their response to him, in his face, to the king, to their captors, their captor king says, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And here we learn that equally a part of the call to be a sojourner and an exiler an exile is that we cannot bend our knees when the world asks us of things that are only given to the Lord. What they say here is, you know what? We can't do this. Let it be known to you, this will never happen. We will never worship your image. And our God is so good that he will save us from the fiery furnace. And if he doesn't know this, we still won't. We will give our lives. We won't shut up. We won't do this. We won't play the game. We're not just going to do it because we're supposed to. And that is like such a big and vital part of what we are called to do to this day. We're called to be good citizens, right? To invest and be here and be good Americans, be good Jersey Cityans. But then there's a part of the call that we cannot ignore that says, you know what? We are kingdom-minded people, and so we won't turn our backs on justice, We won't buy into the narrative that if you love this place, you will just see it as good and perfect and there's nothing wrong here. Being kingdom-minded people says that we have eyes that are kingdom eyes that say, you know what, there is evil here and we cannot accept it. And we cannot just be good citizens all the time. Sometimes we have to be subversive and say that the kingdom of God and what it cares for is more important than what we're, than like the loyalty that is being asked of us right now. Kingdom-minded people, like it, being exiles and sojourners, pushes us deeper into our city to know the context, to know days like June, Juneteenth, June 19th, 1960, 1865, and be like, this matters. Justice matters, like the bringing of overdue justice matters, and we cannot be people who are silent on these issues. We cannot be people who only offer a blind, blind loyalty. We need to offer a, the kingdom and justice, and so I love this country. I have naturalized here. I have made this my home. I have no plan on leaving, but that doesn't mean that I say, oh, there's nothing wrong here. There's no evil here because... The U.S. is not the kingdom of God. No country is. Every country can turn into Babylon. In fact, every country is on its way towards being a Babylon. And so our kingdom call to wrestle with today on Juneteenth is to be like, how do we be good citizens? How does this city come to know us as justice pursuers and justice bringers? And then how does like, our call also mean I, we will not bow our knees to the American story or to the Jersey City Police or the City Hall and be like, when injustice is here, we cannot be turn a blind eye. Okay, like Salvation and justice needs to come, and it needs to come deeper into the city. And so that's our call today. On this day that has a social responsibility, Juneteenth, how do we be good citizens and subversive when we're called to be? How do we be citizens who have good conduct and good standing and be citizens who will not bow down and worship things that are not God? And So church that's our call for today and I don't have easy answers for us in all of life's matters on that. We have to figure that out as we go as we are a church together. Juneteenth is this beautiful celebration and I want it to be that like, I love how it's most remembered. We remember the tragedy, but it's remembered as a day of celebration. That liberation came. It was overdue, but it came. To 250,000 slaves in Texas on this day, 200 weeks, no, 128 weeks, 900 days overdue, but it came. And we pray for that justice to continue to roll in this country wherever it's needed all communities, people of color, every justice issue. And so church, we love you. Join us as we pursue the call to be good, subversive citizens in this Jersey City context. We love you all. And uh, today, it wasn't that much shorter today than normal, but uh, it was uh, about 10 minutes shorter I'm seeing here. Uh, but we love you. We love pursuing this call to be a church together. Join us at noon or at two at Temple Beth El as we, as Father's Day celebrations, serve refugees in the city and continue to be about like, okay, over the longevity of us being a church, how do we respond to justice in the city? So we love you. See you soon, hopefully. And uh, if not, we'll see you next week. Our NMC's. Talk to you soon.